Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the live number three of this five-day challenge. Uh, It's so great to have all the the community and the questions and the commenting. It's been super fun for us to just watch and observe and hear some of the updates from from you guys. So thank you so much for sharing. Keep up the the questions and the the support with one another. Um, Today, we're going to dive into, or let's recap a little bit. Uh, you didn't get a chance to be on the call yesterday. No. Had my <laughs> we couldn't on. figure out the any anything that you want to add uh, or summarize um, from from the movement discussion. Um, I don't think so. I think you covered everything, and I was kind of writing in the um, chat as you were speaking. But I do think there's a question that came up a few days ago or yesterday that we haven't addressed that we'll address today around menopause mm-hmm. and um, what to kind of anchor into when it comes to routine when you are postmenopausal. So we'll definitely talk about that today. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you guys can actually write in the chat um, how things are going because we're kind of midway um, through this challenge. So just curious your thoughts or questions, if questions come up while we're speaking, um, that'll give us an idea of just how something like this can impact us um, you don't always know how it's going to land for everyone so just curious if you've had any insights around mindset and movement since those are the two topics that we've been um, going through and today we'll be going more specifically around food because I know there's some questions around that yeah so yeah feel free to share away when you can Um, I want to start this conversation with something a quote that you always say and that's how you digest your food is representation of how you digest life so you know obviously we're talking about meals today but i don't i feel like we can't talk about food without talking about how we're digesting mm-hmm. things emotionally and and mm-hmm. like how how the two interact with one another yeah so i'm sure all of you have heard the term um, you are what you eat but ayurveda talks about it in a way that you are what you digest and how we digest is going to be influenced by how we're digesting life and the stressors that we have in our environment and just how we're able to process what's going on in life. Uh, you may notice that you may hold a lot of your stress in your digestive system. So if you have an event coming up or if there is something going on that's stressful in your life, maybe there's either constipation or diarrhea or even pain or just inability to eat and have an appetite because there's so much stress going on. So I think intuitively we know that the two are connected but that somehow there's a disconnect that happens over time where we one forget to listen to that gut feeling and what our belly is trying to tell us about our circumstances outside of ourselves but it's such a reflection of what's going on in our internal world and our external and how deeply connected they are yeah because i mean we know this from uh just doing a ton of testing we see people who are more stuck in that fight or flight state 
that uh, you're getting some reflection. Yeah. Yeah, when you're stuck more in that fight or flight state and, and you seem to be responding or reacting a lot to the environment, there's often like this this corollary b between the emotional state and just getting triggered all over the place and just everything's becoming more of a problem. And we see these people tend to have uh, more leaky gut, right? Mm -hmm. More food sensitivities, more digestive issues. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I thought it was such an important topic to really correlate the two because often we can be pointing to a food, that food is bad, when really like there could be some uh, emotional overwhelm that we're not digesting properly. Yeah, so we have um, a mastermind that we're a part of and we get together every week and talk about different health topics. And the topic this week was on oxalates. And I don't know if any of you have heard um, about oxalates, but it's found in like spinach, almonds, chocolate, um, legumes, it's in everything. So it's considered a plant toxin. And so they were talking about how bad these oxalates are and how we have to avoid them and they cause inflammation. And, you know, I listened for a while and then I raised my hand and was talking about the fact that, you know, it's not the food itself. It's the one, the quality of the foods have changed over time. Two, we don't have all the enzymes and the capacity to digest our foods. And three, we don't know how to combine foods and cook them properly to actually utilize their gifts. So for example, spinach should not be eaten raw. Yeah. It should be cooked. And so I brought up the fact that there are billions of Indians and my ancestors that didn't have any meat because the conversation was more about the carnivore diet versus a plant-based diet. Well, and that it, must have been a fun topic to be It was fun, into. yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so I kind of spoke about, well, culturally, when, you know, if I see my mom cooking spinach and it's called sog, they're boiling it for hours with spices and other things to help the body digest it. So a lot of the ancient cultures, like the Chinese cultures, indigenous cultures, you know, the old cultures understood, um, even like European, that we have to ferment things in order for our body to digest it properly at certain times of the year. Mm -hmm. So just going back to that point of you know we tend to point a finger at foods and forget that it's actually like this vessel that we have to work on and understand how we can create that you diet that we always talk about so that we're actually digesting and then absorbing and if there is inflammation being created by eating a certain food we have to look at ourselves first yeah that's powerful and, and Zach Bush talks about this too if you guys follow any of his work he talks about how the soil itself is so depleted and so the mineral content that helps us make the enzymes that helps us make the hydrochloric acid that helps the right microbes to grow so that we can digest and absorb the nutrients effectively there's so many levels of you know breakdown that are happening as a result of our, our modern modern culture and it's not a surprise why we're having uh, even these imbalances in oxalates we're probably extremely magnesium deficient mm -hmm. and some of the other core minerals that are needed to help to mobilize and keep these things in check, these you know plant toxins mm -hmm. that are talked about often. So, you know, you said it great, and I think everybody tuning in, you know, it starts with us, it starts with ourselves. Like, what do we need to work on? How can we build our re our resiliency? How can we strengthen our you know nervous system, our digestive system, our immune system? That becomes personal responsibility, personal journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So great, I, I really, I'm so happy that we got a chance to really dive into that conversation because it's so important when we're, when we're talking about food is what is the re relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Eventually, like we, what we want when we talked about the U diet, 
We want people to feel like they're in reciprocity with the food that they're consuming. There's a, there's a balance, there's a, there's, a, there's a relationship there. You're eating not because you're stuck in an emotional storm and you're, you're disconnected from your body and your feelings and you're grabbing the seafood diet and you eat seafood, you eat it. You're in, you're in an ideal relationship. Now that may seem, for some of you that are listening, that may seem like, my goodness, food is controlling me. I am not in control of my choices. What would you say to some of that? So with something like that, um, again, going back to the pause that we talked about on our mindset talk and asking questions. So is this choice going to nourish me or is this choice going to deplete me? And sometimes the answer is going to be, well, yes, this you know sugary donut thing is going to nourish me right now because it's what I'm craving and it's what I'm needing. So I would just um, get you guys to, again, ask more questions of well, where is this thought or this process coming from and as soon as we make that conscious decision to pause and ask the questions we start to just understand ourselves better so it may be that you still end up eating that donut but what's going to happen next time is that if that moment shows up again you're going to question it a little bit more so that you have again a deeper understanding of where the behavior is coming from and what you're actually gaining. So another question is, what am I gaining from this and what am I going to lose from this choice as well? Yeah, and what I hear you saying when I hear you speak to this, it's like you're creating a little distance between the stimulus and the response, right? Yeah, yeah, and between the emotion and the reaction. Yeah. So when we are um, gravitating towards foods we know aren't going to nourish us, there's often an emotion associated with it. So if we can name that emotion and maybe even have a memory of like when that showed up, we can then speak to it in a different way and have a different relationship to it. Yeah, exactly. So now what does this have to do with hormones, Sonia? Like this, like this seems like two totally different things, but right. if you can tie those two together. Yeah, so in regards to hormones, um, if we go a little bit deeper into our digestive system, there's the bugs, right? Like the microbiome that I'm sure all of you have heard about so these bugs are the ones that are communicating to our hormones. Our digestive system helps to detoxify hormones out of our body. Our digestive system creates our happy hormones like serotonin. So when there's inflammation in our digestive system, we can't detoxify, say, those excess estrogens from the pesticides or from the plastics or from injected meats and dairy we're not able to move those out of our body and then it starts to recirculate and we're seeing more and more women and men with estrogen dominance in their bodies and this could look like waking around the belly this might look like acne before your cycle this in menopause this is going to look like waking hot flashes night sweats for men it could look like gynecomastia where they're having they're creating breast tissues or challenges in their prostate so if your digestive system isn't working, your body is not detoxifying and all of that is recirculating in your system. And there's a very specific um, group of bacteria called the estrobolum that are just sitting there waiting to detoxify estrogen. But again, they won't do that if there's inflammation and if there's too much noise in your digestive system. Yeah. So enter meal timing, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the whole reason why we're, it's not just about what you eat, but it's about when you eat. And so in the last call, uh, we were talking about the circ your circadian clock. And really, that's what we're trying to do is harmonize the natural swing of these light-dark cycles that are happening, obviously, daily. 
to sync up more specifically with the natural swings in the in, in natural hormone re secretion throughout our day. And so light is a huge stimulus for hormone release, but so is food, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the challenge that we, that we put forth for you guys was to create a meal window that was in service to the circadian clocks, or your circadian rhythm. But also we talked about how the, the middle of the day was more uh, in touch with that sort of Ayurvedic philosophy of the digestive fire strongest in the middle of the day, which is where the largest meal could be placed. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, the meal timing um, mm -hmm. and why that's so important. Yeah, so with intermittent fasting, I mean, we've named it intermittent fasting, but I think this is just how humans used to eat. But now we have to have a method and a name for it. Um, finding out what's your, um, again, you diet and your rhythm throughout your day is important. Some people might thrive by having a breakfast and a lunch. Um, earlier or some people are going to thrive a little bit later in the day so depending on if you've already been do doing intermittent fasting and you're just on two meals your windows might look a little bit different for somebody that maybe hasn't done this before and you're still doing the three meals eating before eight o'clock is going to suppress your eight in the morning, eight in the morning yeah. is going to suppress your growth hormone and so then that will suppress your testosterone it's going to increase your cortisol, your insulin, some of these other hormones that break muscle down and break um, your cell structures down. So you want to optimize that morning. We're going to talk more about morning rituals tomorrow, but you want to try to push it at least at 8 o'clock is what our ask was, or even up to 10 if you could. And then in the evening, the reason why we chose like 10 to 6 or 8 to 4 is so that um, when that digestive fire goes down in the evening and you don't have all those digestive juices you may notice if you're eating a big meal you might feel bloated after or sleep is being disrupted but if you're eating earlier in that evening you might notice a change in your sleep patterns too yeah absolutely the, the nighttime rhythm is so important so that we i mentioned the book uh, the circadian code by dr sachin panda and he categorically says us humans we don't uh, metabolize or we're, we're more insulin resistant as the day goes on so as we get into the evening time and the light starting to change our, our hormone receptors are less efficient at uh, shuttling energy from the blood and into our cells and so we're categorically just more hormone resistant at night which is a, a direct setup for increasing weight gain and you know insulin resistance and trouble losing fat and could be sleep apnea and difficulty getting into a deeper sort of sleep because insulin is high when we want to have actually growth hormone high. Mm -hmm. And so turning on, closing the kitchen early enough in the evening allows for a natural secretion of growth hormone, melatonin, all the restoration that we want out of our nighttime sleep window so that when we wake in the morning, we're still riding this wave of hormonal recovery mm -hmm. before we start plugging more food information yeah. in. And this might not be realistic for a lot of families. You know, yep. kids have activities or you're working and maybe dinner time is the time that you actually sit down together and have your meal. So this is why we uh, propose that you push your morning a little bit later if you are eating later in the evening. So if you are doing that, maybe taking some digestive enzymes to help support digestion could be helpful because I know this happens with our family because Nick usually works a little bit later so even today after this call is when we're having dinner with our boys and they wanted to wait for us so we just have to make sure we're doing all the other things to help support the the fire yeah absolutely 
So, uh, no, there's some questions that came mm -hmm. up, um, but you wanted to make sure we answer. Someone was asking a little bit about intermittent fasting. Maybe we covered it in what we just spoke. Um, anything else that you think that... Yeah, so there was a question around the two tablespoons of healthy fats per meal and that feeling like maybe too much. Um, so, again, it's all about the you diet. So the reason why we say two tablespoons of healthy fats is one for cellular health, one for satiation, because often... The reason for snacking in between snacks is because we don't feel satiated, but that extra healthy fat can help you do that. And this healthy fat can come in many different forms. So it might be nuts and seeds. It might be ghee that you're cooking with. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's the two tablespoons that you drizzle on top of something, but it could be just what you cook with as well. Yeah, and that's important. Like, it, like we're getting fats out of some of our nuts and seeds and things mm. like that. It's, mm. it's also... Like olives on the side of your salad or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if it's two tablespoons or if you start with one tablespoon, um, I think the question was alluded to like hormones and weight gain. And yeah. I think that is more of a mindset shift because the sugar industry in the 70s basically told us everything should be non-fat. And that fats the the evil because just that word when we hear it you know we'll cringe um, but what we don't realize that most of our brain is made out of fat the brain needs fat just as much as it needs the glucose and our skin also needs fat our hormones need fat hormones are made from cholesterol so if we don't have enough we're not going to have healthy hormones so depending on where you are in your season, in your um, menstrual cycle, if you're in your reproductive years or perimenopause or menopause, how much might shift? You probably need more in those reproductive years. And yet in those perimenopause years, we are more prone to insulin resistance. So what we want to do is increase the healthy fats and decrease the processed carbohydrates. And then menopause, it's going to be pretty much the same. So. The focus really for this challenge is as much as you can focus on whole foods and um, focusing on the healthy fats and getting rid of those processed foods was the, the main thing. And if you want to learn how to eat with your cycle, um, we do have an ebook. If you go to my website, drsoniajensen.com, and you put your email in there, um, you can get the ebook as well. So there's that way you can, again, create your you diet. Yeah, exactly. And, and like this is. This is kind of why we wanted to put food a little bit further ahead because food is so related to our nervous system, to our movement, and, and the, the actual receptors that, that get expressed on our cell tissue is dependent on many other factors, not just food. You know, to the point that you made regarding hearing the word fat or incorporating fat into the diet, you know, that one isolated uh, food group or macronutrient is a cog in the entire mechanism of what causes weight gain, right? And it's our stress, it's our nervous system, it's our microbiome, it's our circadian clock, it's it's when we're actually eating food, it's all of these factors. And so, um, pulling one does, is this making sense? What I'm saying, like, mm -hmm. if we're if we're just isolating one macronutrient in this whole interesting system that's called the human body, it's so hard to say good or bad. Mm -hmm. because some people like maybe some people don't digest fat very well mm -hmm. some people may have gallbladder issues so I know we've done our DNA test um, with with a company called DNA power that tells that told us our ability to break down different macronutrients someone who is struggling with fat metabolism may not do well here and this is what we said the you diet you got to listen to how your body is responding mm -hmm. and a caveat here 
how you respond right now probably will not be how you always respond, mm -hmm. which yeah. is also or important. Or have responded. Yeah. So in our metabolic upgrade um, program that we teach, we teach a lot about diet variation, and this is the reason for that. So even my own story, so we, I started fasting around six years ago, right? It's about six yeah. years. So I was doing like much higher fat, really low carb. I even stopped eating grains for a big chunk of time. And I brought grains back in this year and I feel healthier because again, I created variation and, and listen and recognize that right now in my season, my body's actually requiring some extra grains. So that's, I mean, they're still whole grains, so it's still healthy, but I had definitely eliminated those kinds of carbs and was just doing like higher healthy fat. Yeah, I, th I think this is sort of like the dance with diet, right? And this is why it's such a like ongoing conversation because we're always experiencing the edges of our, our diet experience, mm -hmm. right? So you pushed into the edge of higher fat and really restricted those grain carbohydrates and you re recognized where there was a limit and, and where maybe there was some diminishing returns and then you're swinging back. Like this is this is the reality with, um, it's an experiment. It's And this is what we were kind of talking about before with reciprocity. Are we willing to listen to what our body, the, the signals that our body is telling us? I mean, how many people, you know, uh, have experiences where they started something because it worked and then they never stop it, right? <laughs> like it could mm -hmm. be a supplement, it could be a diet, it could be an exercise program, it could be, you know, just something that we keep repeating. Mm -hmm. And yet our body thrives in variation, just like the gut microbes that exist in our gut. We're, we're healthier when there's a wide variety of different mm -hmm. microbes that are there. Like before you met me, you only used salt and pepper. Exactly. And now I've got this whole wide plethora of, of spices that I didn't know mm -hmm. were even available. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's you brought so much color and, and variety to my life. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the other questions, I guess, weren't necessarily on the topic of meals. So I don't know if you want me to go over those yeah, right now. Please do. So the big question was around menopause and bioidentical hormones previously. And um, so we're not going to go into that in great detail, but um, everything has a role for individuals when it's needed. So I always say you want to test before um, going down any sort of path, whether it's like supplements or um, bioidentical hormones or prescription. So the difference between bioidentical and um, synthetic, the most simple way that I describe it is um, your hormone looks like this in your body, synthetic will look like this. Whereas bioidentical or human identical, they make it so it matches the chemical structure. So that's the, the big difference. I actually um, had a call with a patient today and she was sharing with me that she saw an endocrinologist and basically said to her, you're over 60, you don't have a right to have vitality and wow. higher libido. And so that makes me a little angry because um, I believe- She got a little angry. I got a little bit angry. You shared your <laughs> anger and frustration with me. Because I think everybody has a right to feel vital until the day they're not here and to enjoy life. And if we live in a time um, where food is not the same, the soil is not the same, our level of stress is not the same, everything has shifted. So yes, in the past when we've lived in a village setting and ate organic, ate off the land and had this relationship with the earth, it was very different the transition that your grandmother had into menopause or even maybe mother had into menopause is very different than the woman today 
And so some extra help with bioidentical can be supportive for some women, uh, again, depending on how you're processing those hormones and what else you need. It's not the answer, it's more of a band-aid for sure. When we look at our cellular work or our toxicities or stressors, like really taking a deep dive into that and using these tools at the same time is what I, when I see magic happen, because then there's, there's actually a capacity to sleep. The hot flashes are gone. There's more energy, there's more vitality. And so really what that does, it gives women hope. And so that is what made me angry today that that endocrinologist, he sat there looking at a woman's basically taking her hope away. So um, I hope through these conversations or all the conversations that we're having that you guys start to realize that change is always possible. We're new people every seven years. Our cells are turning over all the time. Our, mus our stomach cells turn over every three to five days. Like we're constantly new, so we constantly have an opportunity and a choice. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know if that answers the menopause question. but Yeah, well, I think it would highlighted some important things. Yeah. And one is like personal autonomy and personal mm -hmm. authority you know yeah. you get to dictate what you choose to bring in through your emotional system what what you're hearing and how you choose to interpret it who knows what was going on with that doctor and why he had that paradigm that he did um, you know maybe because he only sees people that that are interested in medicating themselves mm -hmm. and, and suppressing symptoms and mm -hmm. maybe that's just you know so who knows uh, what's going on there but it's an unfortunate conversation that we yeah. again unfortunately hear very often that it's just because you're getting old, like, just it comes with the territory. And Nick likes to see the good in everyone. I like to stay in my anger for a little bit. <laughs> well, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. No, I, I didn't. I didn't mean to say it like that. It was more like, I think it's just super interesting why people say the things that they do, especially when they're in, in a position where they can drastically influence someone. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and I think like if I was a doctor in that model, I would probably lose some hope as well because mm -hmm. the tool set that's available to you know, physicians in the allopathic model is really like, do you, this is a nail, I've got a hammer, you know, and we're not really looking at recovery and rebuilding and, um, you know, this concept of healing. It's just not really built into that paradigm. Mm -hmm. So, um, but not like, not every person who sees a doctor like that is going to appreciate that that's where the the doctor is coming from mm -hmm. obviously and, as a and i'm not you're... saying that they're all like that i no, have no, one that no, i no. worked with closely with a patient and he was amazing so yeah. well think... we, we were trained by an OBGYN. but in... this was an endocrinologist no okay anyways uh we we're, we're very much uh you know in touch with uh other doctors in the allopathic model and, mm -hmm. and this is often a frustration that they mm -hmm. share right mm -hmm. okay so, so that's meals that's and meal, meal timing, meal timing. and um, please share your recipes if you guys have recipes or just pictures of what you're eating because that can sometimes um, give somebody motivation or an idea. Um, so please share whatever you can on this platform. Yeah, and uh, we haven't picked the time for tomorrow, <laughs> but we'll, we'll be on tomorrow. We'll we like keeping out. you on your toes. Exactly, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's that's it. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And those of you who caught the recording, bless you. Thank you for thank you for watching. Keep sharing, and we'll see you soon. So you may have been following us for a little while, or maybe you're brand new to our channel. 
Either way, we want you to have the opportunity to really deepen your experience of what you're learning. We want to give you the opportunity to be in the fold of our community, to be with us more regularly, and that's the Health Ignited Club. Yeah, community is so important to us, and we learn so much from each other. And I think getting together when we do once a month, it just um, invites us to ask more questions about ourselves, about our journey, about our health. So we would love for all of you to join us there. Yeah, and you know, so much of our health plans are really dictated around life. Life is crazy, life is challenging, it's easy to fall off the wagon, so to speak. We've got a touch point each month and we've got resources for you in the membership portal. There's so much to keep you in, in the mo momentum and the motivation of, of really making everything that you're learning into a lifestyle practice. Mm -hmm. It's all about accountability and support. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.